0: Block Talk Radio Welcome to Iron Blitz episode 328 And we're going to have a great show today, two hours jam-packed. We have two amazing guests, including the born-to-play film director, uh, Viri Lieberman, coming in to talk about everything that happened with the documentary, the excitement, get some feedback in terms of how impactful it was, especially on ESPN. And then later, in about an hour or so, we're going to be talking to Angelica Grayson uh, on her career move to the college flag NAIA scene. From obviously, her uh, a cool career that she's had in the WNFC, WFA, and, and on Team USA. So, we'll be talking to those two individuals. And then later, in about an hour and a half, we should have Mackenzie Brooks in here. We're going to be talking everything NFL, what's happened this week uh, with the July 4th stuff. Uh, Deshaun Jackson, Kellen Kaepernick, uh, the National Anthem that might be played uh, in 2021, And then all the other things that happened with the uh, NFL news and including women's news and notes. So we're going to kick off 4th of July weekend. I hope everybody had a great time celebrating our independence. And uh, I know a lot of people were doing a lot of activities, social distancing as well. I know a lot of my friends were doing the same thing, but we were just keeping ourselves, you know, apart, uh, wearing our mask, uh, everything that obviously is COVID-related guidelines. And we're having a good time. We had a great opportunity. We had fireworks as well in certain aspects of the streets and a lot of the little kids were excited to see the fireworks and everything else. So I hope you guys had a great uh, weekend. I enjoyed the Fourth of July weekend, Independence weekend, and um, just, you know, grubbed on stuff like that. Um, So we are going to be focusing today on a lot of changes in the women's sport, but ultimately we're going to talk to Vary about, you know, the impactfulness of Born to Play and how that really affected on prime time of all places. We've always had documentaries and women's tackle football, but we've never had the impact that this had. And I think because of COVID-19, a perfect opportunity for people to realize that this sport does exist, that it's been around for a long, long time, and that the impact it has, not just on the on-field play, but on the relationships with coaches and everybody that devotes time to really um, get the women and girls to a higher level of athleticism to play this sport. And then ultimately, it teaches you life lessons as well. So the sport encompasses a lot of things, but for women, a lot of opportunities as well because it's been kind of those, one of the sports in the mainstream aspects of sport that doesn't get the support even on a, con, a collegiate level. So there's a lot of things that are happening to try to, you know, break that barrier down. And really focus on that. I think college flag football, as we're going to be talking to Angelica Grayson, is really a, a stepping stone to get to uh, fans to realize that girls are really good at flag football, especially in Florida, some parts of Texas, and certain states. It's very relevant. And unfortunately, it's overshadowed because it is not something that's you know mainstream. So we're going to hope that at this point, this documentary here brings attention not just to the tackle side, But ultimately, it should bring attention to just the sport in general, and we are anticipating a bigger audience and maybe a draw, especially for 2021. It's a good thing for the WFA uh, to bring light to the branding. It's a good thing for the WNFC because it's also a situation where former players in those leagues are now branching out to collegiate-level status, and it gives uh, average fans uh, kind of a knowledge of the fact that this sport does exist. It's been around for a long time, and there are talented women that play this sport, no different than, you know, on a collegiate NCAA level or an NFL-style level. So, the you know, the future is bright is really what I'm saying. Future, the future is female, as Troy Vincent has mentioned various times uh, in terms of his, you know, output for the support of the sport. And Flag, uh, with Russell Wilson behind it, NFL flag has literally transformed itself to something more of a a project where before it was kind of just a thing that the NFL did. Now it's really um, a project that is really taking hold. And if it infiltrates at this point the college level, then we have opportunities for uh, those players at that collegiate level to maybe jump in into the tackle side and grow the tackle side as a feeder system. So there's a great um, anticipation that this will happen And we hope that it will happen given the WFLA promise of pay the players to play. And um, obviously the existence of the WFA for 10 years, the WNFC in year two, I think in North the North America swing, there's a lot of positivity going forward for 2021, allowing uh, women and girls um, to, you know, look at the future and go, this is going to be a great time for me to just go to another level. Normally in college, sports you have certain sports that you can go to another level like basketball for example you have collegiate you know basketball then you jump into the WNBA as an example and you have an opportunity there to go pro or overseas Um, we've never had that opportunity in football especially in women's football and so it's going to be neat to see that and to find out you know how that's going to evolve at this point Um, if you haven't gone to the hub I, I encourage you to go to the hub it's the best source the best network Everything at the hub, we keep an eye on the sport, we keep an eye on everything that's going on in the women's game in terms of a general scope, and we bring you some of the articles from our network, the best network on the planet, and know, shout out to everybody and every continent that participates with us, that gives us insights and news and notes and articles and links and everything else, videos. Um, you know, They do an amazing job. We've been doing this for over 10 years. We are the best source on the planet, and we commit that to fully to uh, spotlight the best play women's American football, and we are very proud of that. So uh, if you guys haven't heard the breaking news before we came on to the air right now, uh, most of COVID has shut down everything in football, including, obviously, just regular football. But um, uh, in some sports in some states, there's an opportunity, like in Texas – the IWFA has been playing there. Uh, they're going to play their eight-week season. Hopefully, uh, they will not be shut down at this point, given the new mandate that just came out, I think, in uh, about a, like, a couple of days ago. So I have a chance to talk to uh, Terrence Haywood. And if you missed the interview with Terrence Haywood, it's on episode 327. So you can go back and replay it. And we talked about everything IWFA in Texas. So it's going to be interesting to see if the season even, you know, continues at this point in that state level. But overseas... In Sweden and in Finland, uh, the both organizations, the S A F F and the S A J L, have agreed on both sides, the men's side and the ladies' side, in terms of a tackle and flag uh, situation. Uh, with the COVID state that there is in Sweden and Finland, uh, the government has allowed that both organizations have agreed to play an international ma- a match in the fall of 2020, and that would include, of course. The women's matches, uh, both flag and tackle, to take place around November 7th. This is all still, um, it's going to be one or the other. It will happen or not happen. And it's all going to be based on how COVID state is within that month. So there's still an opportunity that could not happen. Uh, This was a change because um, IFAB decided that they were not going to have the European Championships for this year and so they, they bumped them up for next year, which is 2021. So the uh, both the Sweden and the uh, Finland organizations decided that, given their state of COVID, that they should be able to participate in the sporting event as well, and so they're hoping that it will happen. And so you get the article there from saff.ce, the official uh, website of the Swedish uh, American football site. And then you also get an article at the hub, and that has to do with Browns Nation, Browns Nation, uh, the podcast, uh, the best podcast available on Browns, um, ClevelandBrowns.com. And that would be the interview with Callie Branson, Chief of Staff of the Cleveland Browns. And they were talking about her role, uh, COVID-19, how it's changed everything in terms of a scope of football in operational sense in terms of structure, players' development, players getting ready for OTAs, and the opportunity for her and her coach to try to kind of break Brown's culture into a winning mentality. Um, and she's been a winner in every aspect of her life with the D.C. Divas, with some championships and division titles. Uh, previous to that, IFAB world champion as well with Team USA. So Kelly uh, pretty much knows what it needs to, you need to do to make the program successful. And so her journey has gotten to the NFL level here, and she's hoping that she will make an impact with the coaching staff there of course, to take the Browns to another level of wins and put Cleveland back on the map in terms of a franchise that people can watch out for week and and you know yearly at this point. So if you missed it, it's on uh, via YouTube on the Cleveland Browns um, podcast. So you can check it out there as well. Uh, the W uh, the IWFa game of the week is going to be the Coastal uh, Legion. It's going to be taken on. The Harlingen Hive, the Legion coming off the uh, IWFA season at this point at 2-0, and 89-6 is their uh, 0. .4 points against. They're just blowing out their opponent uh, compared to the Texas Legacy, 2-0 and as well, 141-0. to They've just been on fire. So they're 1-2 in the standings in terms of the IWFA. We haven't seen the Austin Ravens. At this point, it's for one game, and they put up 50-0. to zero. So the top three teams in the Icon Women's Football Association clash as we get into the deeper weeks of this league. And we talked to Terrence Haywood last weekend on the episode 327. You can catch it now on all your favorite platforms, including iHeart, Spotify, and Apple. So you can listen to him in terms of what's happening in the IWFA. Interesting week this week to see if the Legion can keep it going. The Hive are 0-2. They are getting outscored basically by 100 points. They have not put up points this season. So it would be an interesting matchup to see if even Har- Harlingen Hive show up against the uh, tough and upstart Legion here making a statement and staying on track with the Ravens and the Texas legacy. So we will see how that met- how that ends up as well in that. So if you haven't checked out WNFC, um, I- the ISO journals, you can get the latest one, Carla Odom, and that's at w, wnfcfootball.com. It's also at the Hub. So, uh, WNFC football on IG has the Why. If you haven't missed any episodes of the Why, they're on replay with the various players and various athletes in the league. Take advantage of all the interviews there at at the at WNFC Football and also at the WNFC uh, on IG. At this point, so if you haven't gone to the Hub, you got to go to the Hub. It's the place to be. It is. Probably the best network on the planet, which it is, and you guys go there daily, make comments, um, share our posts, um, do all that stuff that allows us to um, be more impactful on social media, to bring attention to uh, the sport, to make the average, uh, you know, feed noticeable. At the same time, average person that doesn't know that women's tackle football exists, and so if you do your part with us and branch it out, people are going to notice exactly. So we're almost at 23. Thousand strong, 23,000 strong on all platforms. So we're making really, really good progress. And so if you haven't gone there, just invite people to uh, Gridiron Beauties on Facebook and they get the latest news that's happening week to week, uh, breaking updates and everything else because we do a great job at that. And our network is awesome. And they are, they are devoted, passionate, and former players as well in some uh, countries that want to bring attention and spotlight to the sport to make sure that people are aware that women do play American football and they play it at a high level as well. All right, so uh, if you haven't uh, had an opportunity to t- catch uh, Sammy Grossoffi's new album, it's going to break on, I believe, July 12th, this coming, uh, this coming week, obviously. It's going to break on July 12th. It's pre-saved, and you can get it on Spotify. So if you guys got Spotify, I'm pretty sure everybody probably has some, some format of music platform, but if you go to Spotify directly, You can get Sammy Grossoffi's pre-save, The Arrival, and that's going to basically go on July 12, uh, 12, 2020 on Spotify. Otherwise, you can visit uh, distrokid.com, D-I-S-T-R-O-K-I-D.com, and you can also get that uh, information there. And check it out. It's pretty cool. Sammy Grossoffi, all-time pioneer, real-time all-world quarterback, She played in the uh, IFAB World Championships for Team USA and then also a champion in the WFA and just a a legendary uh, individual in terms of the sport. And so check it out. The Arrival pre-saved July 12, 2020 on Spotify. And like I said, you can visit distrokid.com and get uh, pre-saved there as well. All right. The other big news was Santia Deck of the WFLA announces that she is launching a shoe brand by herself, first female athlete that we know of, uh, prlog.org, first female athlete that we know of that has started her own shoe brand, shoe company. So pretty, pretty cool-looking shoes. Uh, you can go to uh Santia Deck. Uh, you can get the uh, link there. You can go to her IG as well as TrackBaby001, I believe it is, and you can check her out there as well. Um, you can go to WFLA football on IG. And so you can check her out there as well on the platforms there. But launches her first shoe brand. Pretty interesting uh, method to do that. So uh, hats off to her and hats off to the excitement that's going to be happening in the WFLA for 2021. All right, we're going to be going into the huddle uh, sponsored by Zazzle.com. If you haven't gotten a Zazzle shop, check it out. Zazzle has been our sponsor for almost 8 years they're the ones that keeps us on the air and if you haven't gone there please go to the hub check out everything that we have there yes I am a girl I play football shirts not a boys game shirts as well um, and so there's many more favorites out there so check it out and go there you can save up to 25% on your uh, purchase including if you get Zazzle Black for 9.99, dollars and that's free shipping in the US so let's go into the huddle and we're going to be talking to the very talented film director and uh of Born to Play and that would be v- Viri Very Lieberman and I think she's on the air right now. Very are you on? I'm here. Very uh, thank you for making the time. I really appreciate it.
1: Well thanks for having me on.
0: I wanted to bring you on because it's such a big excitement for our sport. Uh you know, we've been covering the sport for a long time, over ten years, and we never get this somewhat this type of attention especially on a national scale like ESPN and in prime time of all things. Um, But, you know, thanks to you and your laboring and your, uh, you know, your belief and making this happen, uh, we're all very grateful for you to, uh, you know, bring to light our sport on a major scale.
1: Well, thank you. I couldn't be more thrilled. That was the goal. I was going to do everything I could to get it there. And I sometimes can hardly believe I it happened. <laughs> I'm very, very grateful it did. I feel like I spent a lot of time uh, training and preparing almost as if this was my sport uh, to get the film out. And now here it is It's on ESPN. And hopefully we'll, we'll find more platforms to keep the momentum going.
0: Uh, very, can you tell the fans um, of your creative works and your background and things like that? So people understand, you know, what you do and, how we get how we got to Born to Play and how it was possible
1: oh yeah I mean I I was definitely not to go all the way back to the beginning but I was certainly one of those kids around with a camera wanting to make movies my whole life uh, but I will say uh, about a decade ago I was in grad school and or longer than that oof, and I was writing I I focused all of my thesis writing on representations of female athletes in cinema. So I was looking at portrayals of women in sports films from the 40s to today and deciding or really looking at whether they're empowered or not, and if not, how and when. And so, although I was already a filmmaker at that time, at that moment when I was starting to do all that research, I was like, oh, well, the life goal is clearly to make my own women's sports film. And at the time I thought, oh, you know, I'll write my own The League of the Moon or, you know, something of I'll find my way to get into the classic sports cinema. And then I got into documentaries, as, mainly as an editor and feature docs, about seven years ago. And I had this, you know, dawn of my mind where I was like, oh, my God, I don't have to imagine it. It's even more powerful because it already exists. It's even more powerful to do it in the documentary genre. But at the time, I didn't have the resources. And I certainly, as much as I, as an editor, had the muscle, I didn't think as a director I had pulled together all of the skill I wanted to utilize. Because the goal was to give these athletes the cinematic um you know, the cinematic vision that their male counterparts have gotten for so many decades to make it feel epic and to make it focused on them as athletes. And and that was something I needed to get a little bit of leveling to fight for and have the vision and the respect from my producers to do that. So I've been editing in feature docs for a while, and I've cut a couple films that have done great things. Um, that are on HBO, and I went to Sundance and a lot of that, and so when it was time for me to say, well, you know, what would my film be? It was right away I knew it would be about women's sports. I didn't know which sports, and when I was presenting my thesis, uh, somebody came up to me and they're like, well, you know, women play football, which of course I knew women played football, but I was not aware of the established league and how, how many teams there were in the country and how organized it was and how long it had been going on at that level. And so, I was born in Boston. I'm from there. I was definitely mm-hmm. it's in the blood to be a diehard Boston mm-hmm. everything fan. <laughs> so, the fantasy was to obviously do a Boston team. And lucky for me, the Renegades were open to hearing my pitch, and they also happened to be an incredible team. So it was definitely the culmination of a love of women's sports, of a lot of research and representation, and the power of visibility. And then also kind of training my muscles in documentary filmmaking to be able to make something with the cinematic glory that I always dreamed of doing.
0: It sounds so exciting. It sounds like uh, you put so much time into it and thought process to it. Um, and being from Boston, it's even, it's even better. Um, for us, <laughs> uh, as fans, you know, as fanatics of the sport that love this sport and support this sport, I mean, you could not have picked a better franchise. It's just uh, probably one of the most successful franchises in our, in our probably in the world. As it stands out as probably one of the elite teams on the planet. And so in that sense, to say, okay, we, we're going to be spotlighting the Boston Renegades full-flown on ESPN, I mean, you should have seen everybody just cheer. We had tears, and we just couldn't, we couldn't wait for the, the documentary to show up.
1: I mean, that was the fantasy. I have to tell you the thing I probably cry about the most in my excitement is knowing that those women are seeing themselves on ESPN. That was was something that was so – it was the best-case scenario. I mean, it just was the ultimate fantasy for it to be ESPN, and I felt like – I knew, I had a steadfast belief that I could get it on a platform that was going to be accessible. I didn't know if I was going to right. be a streamer or whatever, but I didn't know how what it could be and how I would drive those eyes to it. And then when ESPN um, caught eyes on the film, they came, at, I mean, I made the film with a company called Park Pictures for two years. Mm-hmm. And then the minute we submitted it to ESPN, we had some advocates in there who were just so excited. I mean, they were like, done, we're going to make this happen. So it was, it was really incredible. But that unto itself, right? The optics of ESPN acknowledging the sport and putting it in that time slot felt so, so powerful. And it wasn't it for me. It's it it left the forum of being my desire to be like, oh, it's a film and it's craft and it's you know me putting on my artist stuff. It left that minute I met the Renegades and became something to serve them and the sport and other players past and present. So for me, the ESPN thing was just we need a sports, we definitely need the best sports framing we possibly can to make this film do the work we want it to do.
0: Very, um, the story of their struggles in the last, what, since 2015, I don't know if you got the story behind it, but their owner was a car uh, salesman owner and they had supported the team for so long and then sort of pulled away from it, and they had to literally start from scratch and uh, marketing themselves, three of the players that bonded together to put up the franchise once again into a relevant state, of the struggle there in general, and then to be in the scene of the overshadows of the Boston market. You know how hard it is in Boston. I mean, all the teams there have been so successful, and, and to make a mark on a sport that isn't getting much notice. I mean, this this is this was huge, basically.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, I think the women, you know, they're the city of champions, and they are champions, <laughs> and they don't they don't get recognized for it. I remember some of the women were uh, advocating to try to get their championship banners in Terminal Five at Logan, where all the I mean, it's like that which they deserve. Um, because they definitely follow in the legacy of that city. I did know that story. Molly Goodwin, the incredible owner of the Renegades, she told it to Mm -hmm. me, and it's interesting because I had actually – learned about the renegades um, back in I think it was twenty sixteen there there could have been a world or a dimension where I was filming this then, but i'm very grateful that I did now because it not only is it incredible they saved the team and kept it going rather kept boston women 's football moving, but that it had grown into such a dominant professional team of um, dedicated athletes I mean that I wanted to showcase the best of women's football and that includes their you know competitors and rivals and all of that of course but I really lucked out I did not I was very new to the scene and you know don't get me wrong the, the renegades certainly vetted me and I had to earn my trust but it also blew my mind that they had such history and I was able to reach them. You know, you would think that with this sport, those top tier teams, it would be such a, a battle to even be able to talk to an owner. And that was a moment where I was like, oh, man, we got to set it up so that it is. <laughs> so that it is just so big. Did
0: you, did you yeah. feel any chills with doing cuts and everything that you go through in terms of putting it together and everything? And, you know, were you sitting there and just in some instances really just anticipating the the impact that a scene would have once it's put together. And, you know, when it, once you oh, put it yeah. together,
1: yeah.
0: Uh, uh, you know, I mean, there's like a lot of emotion, I think, because I have friends that do documentaries and other aspects of it, but they always say, you know, it's, it's not as easy as people think when they see it finally. It's like it takes yeah. months and months of, of you know, of, of cutting things out, adding things, uh, you know, a lot of things going to play, of course.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, we shot so much. Uh, And then you have to kind of make, I mean, you don't kind of, you have to make these very large decisions to use a very small percentage of it. And, you know, how are you going to frame that? I mean, if I got the chills, yes, it wasn't because I knew where the film was going to go or what it could do. But what I did know is that I wanted those players to see themselves like that, to see themselves so epic and the way that I fantasized of seeing these players broadcasted and the way their stories are told for so long. I mean, this was a film I wanted to see. So when I watched the footage, I remember when we shot their second game uh, when they played DC. There's this shot where Allison Cahill drops back and throws and we, the camera goes up and it catches her perfect spiral and Shantae catches it. And so when we got that shot, I must have watched that. Every day (laughs) I was on the train to work. I mean, I was obsessed with that shot because it was in the shots that we got in practice with the breath coming out and everything became Mm -hmm. was chills on the daily because it was all coming true. the, The framing, the visibility, the representation. So the chills were there because I. I knew that at the very minimum they would get to see themselves in that light and that hopefully other teams and other players we would just get the film to them so they could see themselves in it as well. I mean I will tell you one scene that, that I became pretty obsessed with, uh, which was a scene there's a scene where Chante Bonds recalls uh an epic play from a Chicago force game that happened years Mm -hmm. before and every player, I mean, so many players on this team told me that story. It was legend. It was a legendary thing. They'd be like, Oh, it was raining. And you know, and it was the fourth quarter. And, And the way they told me the story, we called back to all of the epic NFL films type, you know, mm-hmm. historical status that I grew up watching. And so I had the fantasy of cutting a scene with a player, telling that, telling a story and getting to show it and kind of have that soul explosion <laughs> inside myself where I felt like it was becoming legend. And I that is a scene that's in the film, and I still, to this day, kind of watch it with my eyes wide, even though I cut it, and that's not... That's, that sounds so self-serving. But what I mean is it was just exciting to bring it to life and to get to step back and right. say, oh, it works, because it was meant to be there, you
0: know? Yeah, in, in and a lot of the uh, documentary, when you watch it, you know, a lot of people thought, oh, it's going to be a 30-minute deal, you know, because it's normally you do a 30-minute deal on certain documentaries. But to have it to be almost two hours in in terms of, like, what you can watch and and tell the story. And it's kind of like a a total movie in other words, you know what I mean? And so for the players, I think it was really, you know, very impactful. I know uh, a lot of us were (laughs) teary-eyed, I can tell you that right now, because this is just like a big moment for for us uh, as fanatics, for the players, for ownerships, uh, for everybody in the sport, you know, uh, primarily here in North America. Uh, But overall, I think in the world, it was impactful in that sense. So we owe you a lot of gratitude for your effort. And I think a lot of players would, you know, send you the same sentiment at this point.
1: Well, that means the world to me. I mean, my gratitude is to you guys and the players and the league, because I was just there to capture it. And it was happening, and it's been happening, and it will continue to happen, whether I'm there or not. I'm very hopeful that the film can draw obviously a lot more, not only spans and the seats, but resources and everything that the sport needs because it can be seen in the light it deserves to be seen um, and the excitement and all of that. And I did, I set out to make a feature film about it. That was, and I wanted it to feel like a classic sports movie. I mean, I can't, the cinematic mm-hmm. treatment statement I, I always say about, you know, to their male counterparts. I mean, that is very real. Even when I think when I was filming to them, and every time they would watch a movie or they'd be on the bus and they put on a movie or, you know, in the film, you see them watching any given Sunday. And those are their only options, you know, to kind of hype and see themselves in this sport. So it was this moment where I, I definitely am so grateful to hear that people feel seen. Players have written me incredible emails where they're just like, I've never seen an outsider get it, you know, get it to their core mm-hmm. why we do this. And I think that that came down to My I would not surrender the concept that the film had to be about pure athletes, that this was not, you know, an asterisk. It was like, wow, women can play football. Of course they can play football. And they've been doing it. It was about athletes coming together for the common goal. To win the championship. And of course, there are things that naturally occur because they do pay to play and they do in the interview space where you're reminded that it is not something that is common, but it was very important to me that it respected the athletes and the sport for what they are doing um, in it. And I think that that is kind of the biggest goal of mine when I made the film that that was how it was seen. And I feel like now it can speak for the speak for the sport in the most pure way we possibly can. And it can't kind of have that asterisk. that makes it anything different. These are football players, you know?
0: Yeah. Very. What was the, um, can you just tell us the moment when you went back to the Boston group and said, Hey, this is it. It's done. Let me show you what I did. Was that something emotional? (laughs) I mean,
1: we did. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm a very emotional person, I'll be honest. Uh, In general, yeah. I think So we we rented out this little theater in Salem, and we just had the team Mm -hmm. come to watch it. And hopefully we'll do that again in a year when the world settles and they can bring their friends and family. But it was just the team. And I, I mean, my stomach was a knots. I couldn't wait, though, for them to see it. I mean, they had seen a, I had shown a couple of, a little bit of game footage. So I think they knew that it was going to look pretty cool, but in a sense for them and something new from what they're used to in their coverage. But when I showed the film, I mean, I thought that they were, you know, they'd be hooting and hollering and cheering. They were silent. I mean, I could hear some sniffles here and there mm-hmm. and afterwards players were like man we thought we were going to be so loud and ruckusy, but we didn't want to miss anything <laughs> they were like kind of awestruck (laughs) and that meant the world to me but when I got up on stage after the film and Molly handed me the mic I definitely the minute I started saying the sentence you know it was an honor and a privilege to spend a season with you guys I was a mess I mean I think it really hit me there because that was the goal I mean it was at first it was to of course the ultimate goal was to do great work for the sport but I the initial one was like oh my god will they be proud of like I want to show them a film that they can stand by and so that was an incredible moment where I felt like they had kind of given their their blessing to it, and that, if, and even beyond, you know, that they were very moved by it and felt that it was true, and that was a big, that was it, that was a big moment for me.
0: When you had to break down uh, some of the, you know, players, was that was that hard as well to break it down and who you're gonna kind of focus on or a handful of the players? I mean, was that something that you kind of sat down and kind of brainstormed about? You know, Allison's a a legend in other words, and a pioneer in, in terms of the sport, in terms of durability, longevity and champion. So, I mean, that was just like a no brainer to, to see her right there and to spotlight her, which was, I think she deserved everything. Um, she's worked so hard for so long and, uh, she's, you know, she's at that level of Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. And yeah. I mean, if you put the equivalents in terms of our sport, uh, we, we see her in that light. In other words, And so, I mean, to, to have her there and then Shantae Bonds, I mean, she's been an amazing athlete for so long as well. And to see her there, you know, it's the same concept for us to just kind of see an an amazing running back that you normally see in the NFL. So how was the, you know, who are we going to make the the film around? Was that like a round table type situation or did you do it by yourself?
1: Yeah, no, I did it by myself. A lot of the filming I had, uh, a friend of mine who helped me as a DP but most of it was very skeleton crew it was just me up there and I when I met the team it's so big I mean the roster is so big and of course Molly you know pointed out some players and shared some stories with me about um, what their legacies were and how they had played in the game but I didn't know who it was going to be about when I started filming and I was just kind of reaching out to anybody who was willing to talk to me. And it's interesting because Allison. I mean, Al is, yeah, she's a legend. <laughs> it was clear when I got there that, you know, that she had to be honored in this and she took some time. Like I definitely had to earn that trust and I don't blame her, you know? And that was, that was something that was undeniable that it needed to happen, but it took time mm-hmm. to earn that trust. And then once, once we were there and had a good conversation, I feel like she respected, and believed where I was headed. And Shantae also was not that anxious to be on camera. I mean, I think most of my the primary people in my film, obviously, um, Al Shantae and Whitney Zeely, they were, they were not eager, um, but they were also respectful, and I'm very grateful that they gave me the time. And I followed many players. And it, and I had more players in the film, and and then what happens is obviously, yeah, you get to the editing room, and it just becomes like, what is the most effective way to tell the story? But Molly said many times to me, I mean, you can't tell the story of the 2018 season without Al and Shantae. and they just they, throughout the season, not only as leaders but also as MVPs and in All Stars, really did incredible work that season. But JC, you know, there's some other there's some players in there that I I just Adore and find so inspiring, and I tried to find a way to create a choir of voices so you could meet how, all of these different players and, and what functions they serve and all the and the amazing skill level that was there, and you know the parents and you. Know, there were so many ways to be able to meet a lot of players, but they but those players emerged and felt true to the story of that season, the ones that I really focus on and. Uh, and I think I'm very p- glad that they let me in, and I'm very grateful to that. And I also think that it was very deserved and earned, you know, their their spot in that story.
0: Barry, uh, what is the the process to get it on ESPN? Was it a conversation with someone you know? I mean, because a lot of people are like, we got we got on ESPN. How did that happen? Because you know, Lord, we've been we've been banging on doors for so long to try to get onto major platforms. And, and it's always been kind of a silent, you know what I mean? Or turned away or yeah. whatever. But to have that moment, uh, you know, I will be, I will, I, it shocked me. I will tell you, I've been following for a long time. And when I got a message from a couple of players and go, hey, we got a surprise for you. That was literally the message. We got a surprise for you. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, what's the surprise? And then when they said, hey, we're, we're, there's a documentary that we've been working on and it's going to be on ESPN. And I said, no way. That was my response. No way, seriously, because you can't believe that, right? Normally, because yeah. you don't get on that amazing type of aspect, right? Like, to your point, we might have gotten on a nice stream, you know, a some sort stream yeah. or lower end stream. But to get on the big dog, to be on the big, you know, big platform, um, I mean, we we gotta thank you for that a lot. I don't, you know, how uh. you did it or however you got us there, but we really, really want to thank you for that.
1: I mean, I, I, there's a chain of evidence of how I got there in the sense of, you know, I edited, I edited a feature film called The Sentence, which is on HBO mm-hmm. that, um, that won at Sundance and won an Emmy and all this madness. And
0: mm-hmm. that
1: film was produced by a company called Park Pictures. And when that happened, all of that incredible stuff happened I was like, I can use this momentum for something. What am I going to use it for? And of course it was this. I was just like, how do I make it work? And because I had just been a part of that success for them, I felt the guts to go into Park Pictures and say, I'm going to do this thing. But I had self-funded this film for so long because I, while I was filming with the Renegades because I wanted to make sure I had as much control over the narrative as I could because I knew how I wanted to do it and I just didn't want anything to compromise that message of that, you know, the mm-hmm. pure accuracy message. And so, so Park Pictures was so great. I mean, they, they were like, we're here for you when it's done and let's make it work. And so I, they helped me throughout the process once I was finished filming and one of the producers there knew someone at ESPN and, you know, ESPN does not uh, buy films. They certainly, I mean, it's not that they bought this one either. They just agreed to license it so they could broadcast it on the channel. But they don't usually do this. And they made a special, a special effort to broadcast this film, <laughs> which is what's the craziest part, you know? I mean, so people have kind of casually called it a 30 for 30 or they're like ESPN documentaries, but it's not, it's an independent made documentary that ESPN right. was incredible in their support supportive and they're going to, they're going to air it more. We have more air air dates ahead and it's obviously on the ESPN app. And then, this period on ESPN will end um, at the end of the year, and then we'll find a new home for it. But now that it's been on ESPN, obviously that opens doors get it on another platform of equal or greater value in the sense of um the film world or streamers and such like that so that we can keep it keep the momentum going hopefully all the way until next season and beyond but the past espn was a lot of personal connections but it was also just trying to stay on top of a wave that i had caught some mystical way <laughs> um in the work that had led me to a film before this one and so there's a lot of a luck, And then there's a lot of hard work. And then there's just a lot of pure passion that I just wanted it so bad, just like you guys did. You know, I mean, so I think it was a perfect storm. And obviously right now it's a weird, it's a strange time in the world. And I remember, you know, there's, the sports aren't really on. They're slowly coming back now. And I remember one of my producers said, he was like, how brilliant would it be if the only way to watch new football on television is women playing it? I was like, ah, yes. So I think it's, you know, the timing couldn't have been more perfect to also amplify the voice and get the most eyes on it. And I think ESPN, you know, opened the door because of that opportunity, but also have been incredible allies and continue to push the film, which is which is mind blowing. I mean, I could have never I I wanted it so bad. And I would tell the team, I'm like, I'm going to do something big. I swear, because I was just going to fight tooth and nail as hard as I could. But here we are. Uh, And so it was, yeah, it was a lot of personal connections and, and um, of that sort, but I can't force them to take it. You know, I think that the efforts and the amazing athleticism and the sport itself, and I think that spoke for itself and they knew that it needed to be there and it deserved it.
0: Well, I can tell you right now, um, you're going to go down in the history books of our sport (laughs) for contributing to this amazing uh, classic. Um, I think a lot of people, you know, would give you a lot of hugs and kisses if we could, obviously because of, <laughs> of COVID.
1: <laughs> sure,
0: but ultimately, I mean, I think this is the League of Our Own type of film that this sport really deserved. Um, we're making ends roads in every aspect of the sport. I think a lot of the visibility was there. Uh, to me, it was just we've always had documentaries in the past, in in since since I've researched the sport, you know, and but it's never been about a successful franchise. And I think this was the reason why this movie is so impactful and it's such a game changer because you're spotlighting, uh, one of the, the premier or one of the elite, uh, teams in our sport, you know, not just on the North American scale, but, you know, in a world scale, and everybody looks up to them and admires them, you know, uh, they have durability year, year in, year out, they're either in the playoff mode or in the, they're in the championship final. And so, you know firsthand how difficult that is to just maintain that level of excellence, you know, on a NFL scale. Right. But these women don't get paid. And so to have that, that success, right. In a short-term window and to really, you know, go from a transition like they did, which is, you know, no more going to be a team and all of a sudden they rebuild itself. Uh, um, I mean, when you, when you look back at perspective, in other words, um, this born to play documentary really just, Defines what Boston football is all about, but also defines about the character of the ownership that's currently there and the the talented athletes that have played on this organization year in year out. Oh,
1: that's beautifully said. <laughs> I feel like that's it. I that the goal was to honor them, and so to hear that uh, that you who who've been in this world a lot longer than I have uh, see that in this film. That's that was that's critical and vital and. Uh, more than I could have ever dreamed. I was doing best I could, but I now, when I look at it, I'm like, well, yeah. I think it, I think it's a, like I said, a perfect storm of when it hit and how. But I also, I think it is a successful franchise. But I also think it's the way, the way the story is told. I think that's really important. Um, in the in the visual, right? Obviously, the way it was shot, but also mm-hmm. in the way that it really focuses on. What the facts of what they're doing, how skilled they are, and how much it takes. And I hope that that applies, and I know it applies, to every team and every player in this entire league and beyond around the world. And so I definitely, although it is about the Boston Renegades, I also hope that it is relatable and people feel that it speaks for their experience playing the sport.
0: Uh, Very, uh, can you tell us uh, maybe a perspective on when you said to Molly or, or Mia or Aaron and say this is done and look at it this is what I've done how how was their reaction can you tell us about that
1: <laughs> I mean it's interesting because Molly I when I showed it to Molly you know Molly was obviously my go-to on all of this in the sense of uh, rite of passage and uh, approval and education and what you know everything I I wanted to make sure I knew and when I first showed you know there was a the first cut of this film that was very different Uh, And now when I look back at it, I think it's, it was great, but it definitely felt a little more, I don't know, it just didn't do all the work this cut does. And so it was was an evolution to get to this cut. But even that first cut, Molly was very supportive. I think she was very moved and very emotional when she watched it. And when it was over, it was so interesting because she was like, it's fascinating to see how you see us. Because we know everything, you know. It's like those of you that are in the sport. It's like you know the history, you know what what you're doing in it, and in, in some cases, you may have even acclimated to it, so that you don't even mm-hmm. see what an outsider would see in the sport. So she's like, it's fascinating to see what you grabbed onto and how you see us and what. But old, you know. And ultimately, I think she felt really good about it. I mean, I think there. I wish I could make a series of this. That was a thing we'd always talk about. <laughs> She'd be like, I mean, there's so much more. So I'm like, I know. But I only have ninety minutes, you know. So I think that I realize <laughs> that there is so much more to tell. Obviously for the history of the game. I wish everybody could meet all of the players, you know. I wish that there was everybody could see how much work goes behind the scenes as well. Um, obviously to keep the organization running and all of those coaches who donate their time and watch game film three, 30 hours a week. So there's so much more to tell. And I think that the initial response was like, you know, lovely and supportive and in awe. And then also being like, Oh man, there's just so much more too. So there's unfinished business in my soul for this one. I'm like, man, I hope we can turn this film into an opportunity to get more coverage and who knows, maybe a series or, or something that kind of zooms out and can continue the work, you know.
0: Yeah, and I like I said it's it's really nice, nicely done, amazing, and a, a lot of us were literally blown away because this was like top-notch things that you would normally watch on, you know, 30 for 30 or you do a, you know, profile in that sense, and this movie really draw you in. And to the average fan, uh, you know, I spoke to a lot of a lot of fans once they watched it because I I was inviting everybody on my Facebook, you know, my all my friends on Facebook, you know, because they know I cover the sport and they they didn't really understand that aspect of it, but they know I cover it, and so I try to invite them to you know, know, hey, take a look at the film, it's kind of you know what it is about. This. A lot of them came away with that same emotion, like they were wowed. They were just like they didn't understand how it can't be supported, or they they it blows their mind that. You know, we don't have women's American football as an option like we do in basketball, soccer, and and softball, and all these other sports. You know, in on a collegiate level style. So it brought a lot of conversation in terms of, you know, why isn't supported, right? Why is it isolated uh, from the other sports that do get supported on a collegiate level? So, um, you know, your 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 movie basically kind of expresses, you know, a lot of questions and it brings attention to it in a way where a lot of the average fans didn't even know it existed. And then they kind of have to question, I was like, why does, why don't we have women's college American football? <laughs> we're the, you know, we're the birth of the sport.
1: Yeah. I mean, that was my, my hope was to whip whip an audience into a frenzy halfway through the film where they almost forget the women that they didn't know women play football. It's almost like, Oh yeah, yeah. We've seen this story before. And then at the end it's like, no, you just witnessed something special because you haven't seen it. And why haven't you seen it? You know? I think that that, is, that was a big part of it. I could count on one hand the amount of people who have actually heard of or, you know, seen or had even thought about women playing in a league at this level, you know, that I've talked to since I started making the film. I mean, every time I tell people when I was making the film what I was doing, they were like, what? Who? Huh? Yeah." I mean, they just didn't know, and that was mind-blowing to me because when you're in the world and you, you're in it, But when I was there with the Renegades, I mean, I was was as if I was with the NFL. I mean, 100 percent, the amount of they are playing professional football in their minds, even if Mm -hmm. there's this technicality of calling it semi-professional to them. They are professionals. This is their identity. I mean, you already know this, but but, you know, it's their career. And when they're done playing, they are retiring from their football career, you know, and for most of them, there's their day job is to pay for the football career. So there was there was just such an absolute in their world, that when I was there, I just I almost forgot, you know, that, that it wasn't there. So it feels so obvious. And things I talk about to people all the time is, you know, that there is a. You've already mentioned it. That lack of a path where girl, young girls can play, you know, in Pop Warner or in Pee Wee, and then there's this kind of blackout black hole where they there's no option, kind of middle school, high school, and into college. And of course, when they're 18, they could then play in the WFA. But But, you know, there's that changes the atmosphere of access and resources and broadcasting and building of fans and building of skill, you know, and all of that stuff in the sense of expediting to a spectator level. And so it's like, but it's here. It's happening. It's irrelevant of that. I mean, that's the thing that I always kind of tell people. I'm like, completely – unapologetic in this action. I mean, they didn't ask for permission and they're not going to wait. Nobody waited in this league for a sponsor to say, all right, yeah, you should do this, you know, or like waited for the ratings to be high enough to be able to try. It right. just made it happen. And so it's, I don't know if in your experience, because you've been covering the sport and in, in this world for so long, I'm sure there's a, a part of you that has somehow leveled in the sense of like, this is, it's exciting and you, you know what's happening in the sport, but there is this, Side of it where oh, I just totally lost my train of thought. <laughs> there's a side of it where you're kind well, of sitting we, there. Well, you
0: know what, very we, we tend it, to be it, in a bubble because we're yes. supportive of that bubble. And then all of a sudden yes. we forget that there's so many other things that have to happen. For, you know, on a business exactly. sense, I always look at it in a business sense. And when you take that mm-hmm. microscope away of just your little bubble, then you the average fan really bring, brings your attention again by saying, hey, why isn't it? on a college equal level like the men and you got starting questions right like you said you know why don't we have uh, girls you know uh, high school tackle football we have boys tackle football why don't we have the option for the girls right we have soccer for girls and it's not for a lack of interest
1: yeah i mean i think women i don't think that women know it, it isn't an option so therefore women don't think it's an option so then right. when they find it early or they find it late of course they want to play and they're going to make it happen but it's like if it were, we people make this assumption i mean you already brought up that the sports institutions there kind of are there are women playing in all of the other when you think about the major american of basketball hockey baseball and then football feels mm-hmm. like you know the untouched landscape of a sport for what which is insane uh, like, there's no logic to it. I mean, one thing that I loved so much that I heard over and over again from uh, from the players was that it wasn't about playing with men or women's football versus men's football. They just want their own. They just want to play football too, you know, and the game is just as exciting. There's nothing – That's why I'm saying that says, it
0: blows everybody's yeah. mind when you go, uh, do you have basketball for men and boys? Yes. Do you have, you know, soccer yes. for men and boys? Yes right and yes. you go down the checklist and then you go football i'm sorry there's no yeah. room for women in football like,
1: yeah there's no room there wouldn't be enough that would want to play you know there's not it's just not For women, you know, which of course gets into very clear talk where you're like, "Oh God," but I, yeah, it's it's there. And you know, Al once was sitting with me, and she was like, "There's nothing gendered about throwing a football. There is nothing gendered about running down the field. There is nothing gendered about tackling someone. There's just no, there's no common sense or logic to the concept that women wouldn't play football." Then
0: you would outlaw the rest of the sports the same you would just say, okay, no, you can't do basketball. You can't do soccer. You can't do lacrosse. You can't do, you know, all this. I mean, and that's why it. on the international level, very, I tell you just as a tidbit on the international level, there are universities that require both American football men's uh, squads and, and women's. And unfortunately in the United States of America, the birth of our sport, (laughs) it's, not the have. case. You would think this would be the case, and everybody else around the world would have a problem doing that. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just, it's just yeah, yeah. It just—it just—it just irks me it's to insane. think that I mean, way it's... because you would think, like by now, you know, Notre Dame, uh, Alabama, you know, all oh. the major college, right? You would think they would have yeah. already kind of said, "Let's put a regional. Let's test this out and see if there's a <laughs> banter, Right? Like on the right. coast. Let's say Florida, Georgia, Alabama, right? An SEC type mentality, where there's a you know yeah. the, the schools can somewhat you know use the funding that they already make to some sort of a project, right? Similar yeah. to what's happening now with in the-, the, the NIA college you know college flag, uh, in, you know that's going to be done in yeah. in what another year from now. So it just it scratches. I I I've been doing this for ten years, and I all the time I always say the same thing: it cannot be a money issue, because they make a boatload of money to support yep. the rest of the sports. Right. And all of a sudden we can't oh, yeah. support women's tackle football. I'm like, what?
1: <laughs> oh no, it's deep roots,
0: deep roots on that issue. I mean, is oh, it yeah. really
1: infuriating for the deep roots of, you know, the lack of spectator interest in women's sports to begin with, but it's also, we're missing out as football fans. <laughs> we're missing yeah. Out. Cause the women's Has game is, is, is Smith exciting. Smith and it's not.
0: Catches? Yeah. I mean, Cahill throws, uh, uh bonds, runs. uh, I mean, there's just so many talented players in this league, in the WFA in general, that people have never seen on a film stage like you do an NFL player, right? We're in awe. You do NFL Network, NFL Films, you're like, oh, my God, he's so talented. He's so great. You know, all the spotlight, right? And we're all, like, thinking this guy's, like, above everything, right? Just, oh, my God, he's such a great guy. And and so athletic with hand coordination. And we talk about all that. We have so many women in, in our sport in terms of the leagues in our sport that are on the same level they they, yeah. they, they do the same thing and it's a well, shame and that's basically
1: that's the thing when you when you're talking about the NFL level when you see those players that they have kind of elevated and they put the spotlight on, those players have these slow-mo shots and the close ups and the mics up, they're oh, yeah. their, mic, their mics, and all that. And that kind of treatment makes anything exciting. I mean, if you, for women's football, when I was starting to look at some of the old archival broadcasts, you know, and it was usually kind of stationary mm-hmm. from up above a bird's eye view and it's tough. There have been some great broadcast efforts with the commentators and all of that. And you certainly, there are moments and there are games and there are, teams that are able to pull off something wonderful but the concept of if you put a camera you know a handy cam up in the in the top deck and shot a patriots game it would also look pretty flat i mean it wouldn't you would not see the the incredible elite playing that is happening so there is a part of this that is obviously perspective Um, You know, resources and attention, but it's also just the way that it's treated visually. And so those players, that was something that obviously we tried to do and born to play, but it's like, that is the truth. If they put in the resources and put in the broadcast quality level on women's football, it would do all of the same work. Um, and all of these legends of the game that you know, and the people like Allison and, and we would feel that, we would see it, and it would be validated, you know, because that's kind of what the media, that is the job of the media, and that is what they do to spin and focus our, you know, our energy mm-hmm. and our excitement and the stardom and all of that. They're picking mm-hmm. those players, and those players earn it, but that same awareness and gold star view could definitely be applied to these athletes and it would change it. It would change everything and everybody would just get excited and they get to watch the game for how good it is, you know?
0: Yeah, I agree. Uh, Very, I really appreciate making the time. I know you're busy and doing everything uh, outside of, you know, what you do in terms of the filmmaking. I know it's tough to get some time and I really, really appreciate you coming on. Uh, Everybody in the women's tackle world uh, appreciates everything that we've talked about today. And we are very grateful for your efforts. We really appreciate you uh, spotlighting our sport, the Boston Renegades as uh, excellence that they've that they put on the field. And uh, ultimately, you know what, you brought tears to eyes, you brought joy to eyes, and uh, all we are just so grateful.
1: Well, thank you. And thank you for doing what you do. I mean, every time I get to talk to someone who's from within the world, who's dedicated their life to it, i just honor you as well. I mean, thank you for doing what you've done. I am now in, I'm a fan. I can't wait to watch and cheer every team and obviously, especially the Renegades. And I can't wait to keep listening to your show. <laughs> so thank, thank you, very you very much for having really me really
0: appreciate on. that. And I, I hope uh, you continued success. I know you've done some great work with other films, and this one's obviously in our hearts because of the sport, but we will continue to root you on in your career as well so you can elevate your status as a, a, an amazing filmmaker that you are.
1: Well, I appreciate that. I've said to many people that I think, I, I know I'll go on to make more films, and I'm sure I'll love them, but this really feels like my life's work. I mean, this this film, I think, will always be the one for me, so I couldn't I couldn't be more grateful for hearing that.
0: Thank you. Uh, have a great, uh, you know, night. I hope uh, you stay safe, <laughs> COVID safe, and everything yeah, that's happening well. in the world. Stay safe and, and your travels. And I really, really appreciate you coming on. And uh, like I said, the the women's football uh, just appreciates you so much. And I really thank you for coming on. All
1: right. Thank you so much. Appreciate it.
0: Have a great night. All right. You too. All right, guys, that was a very Lieberman. We had an amazing conversation, uh, almost an hour. And um, I can tell you right now, watching her film, um, just uh, an amazing film. Uh, Like I said before, I got emotional. uh, And why, you know, you have to get emotional. It was just so well done, um, just on many levels tears, uh, joy, tears of just, you know, the amount of struggles that our sport goes through in terms of funding, in terms of sponsorships, in terms of, you know, the sacrifices that the players make for themselves, uh, their families, uh, just a a lot of things. But this documentary, this thing uh, that, that very has created um, it's, it's the league of our own. It is the, it is the staple film that we will refer a lot of fans that have never encountered tackle football to go watch this film and put it in perspective. I mean, this is this film was so well done that you are, you know, you, it, it brings tears. Like I said, to just the joy of it that was done so well, but the fact that it was done in a way that was cinematically impactful, just, um, just amazing, just amazing. So uh, Vera Lieberman uh, just an amazing uh, person and ultimately film director as well. And we wish her continued success. And I'm following her now and. Anything she does, I'm going to be watching as well because I know she's going to do great work in anything she puts into it. And she's just a great, great individual. And ultimately, Boston is greater for this. And I think the, renegade, the Renegades have now been shown on an international world scale. And they should. They deserve it. Uh, everything they've done since 2015. You know. So shout out to Molly, Aaron, and Mia for putting uh, you know Boston – where it should be at the top level of women's tackle football and one of the elite franchises in the world. Uh, So shout out to them as well. All right. So we're going to go into this moment, this great joy, and then the anticipation as we're talking about here with the feeder system and breaking out and bringing attention more to the sport and creating some sort of, uh, you know, Excitement into 2020 and 2021, and how else can we do that? But let's bring in um, the talented and champion, IFAB world champion, WNFC champion, and the talented Angelica Grayson into the house as she goes into the NIA college flag uh, inaugural season type mentality, and hopefully this will become a normal thing that we have to talk about. But Angelica, welcome to uh, the podcast.
2: Thank you so much. Thank you very much. I much appreciate it. Much appreciate
0: it. <laughs> so Angelica, we just talked to the uh, talented Barry Lieberman, the director of the Born to Play documentary, which was an amazing documentary, um, and spotlighted obviously one of the best teams in our sport. And so we can't be more than excited of what the future holds. And what did you think when you got you know the notice that says, "Hey, we're the NAIA is going to start college flag." Women's football.
2: I thought it was absolutely amazing. Um, I even thought about it to myself, and I was just like, "Man, if they had that when I was going through college, I sure would have played it. And I would have, I probably wouldn't have played volleyball or basketball. I would have just stuck to the straight um, like football had it been available. And so if they had this opportunity." For uh, another group of young ladies to come in and be trailblazers and to set the tone and set the standard and let people know this is not intramural, this is straight competitive seven on seven flag. This is this is where it's going to be. This is where it's going to grow and even uh, them getting the knowledge of just flag and, and creating a pipeline into the tackle football world as well. So it's going to be amazing.
0: Angelica, we got Liz Sowers announced that she was going to go into it. Then all of a sudden we get the notice you're going to go into it. So the opportunity mm-hmm. just came about, right? And why not? I mean, I think you've done everything in your career on an international scale, plus on a you know national scale in terms of you know accolades. Now this is mm-hmm. another opportunity to kind of put a mark on yourself, but also ultimately put a mark on a lot of uh, a lot of talented players that have played in the WFAI, WFL, in the previous leagues that can make a mark on the college scene and contribute to spotlighting all these talented women that are going to be in college.
2: Yes, it's um, just the, the creation of it. I think is absolutely amazing. Um, they had the backing of the NFL and something called the RCX Ring champs experience. Um, the NFL is giving each school that's participating um, $15,000. And with the RCX Ring champs experience, they're also, um, giving their support with everything that's going on. And there's not very many schools that's participating. And be honest, I believe me and Liz, I haven't heard of any others, but if they are out there, I haven't heard about it yet, but I'd love to meet them, that Liz and I are the only head female coaches that are leading this flag football team at the collegiate level right now.
0: And, yeah, that's um, the a only one that I know yeah. of. It's, I think the only mm-hmm. the two of you are the only ones that I am – aware of so far. But if there's anybody else, I mean, you mm-hmm. can always comment and send us some information. But um, Angelica, what do you feel like you're going into a college? Um, is it something new to you? or Is it something where it's going to be somewhat natural for you to kind of to make a program from the ground up and things like that?
2: Um, I think it's both going to be definitely new and definitely natural. I've been a part of organizations and teams where it was new, and, it, and I was a part of the foundation all the way up to champions till today. Um, and following the steps of Odessa Jenkins and the, the staff and this with the WNFC Women's National Football Conference, following those steps and seeing how things – Get started and having a foundation. I see the the good, the bad, and the ugly, and I can see you know what would work well with what I'm trying to build here at the University of Saint Mary. And um, coming from an educational background, I'm coming from a middle school level, so I still have that uh, so educational foundation of how to help get things started. So there's a lot of things that I want to bring into it that. Have probably have actually has not been done yet. I want to bring a mentoring program. I plan on working with uh, Kiki Blackman. She's the head coach of Kansas City Glory, and this making a mentoring program for our ladies to um, feed into just a, a different type of system that they've never been fed into before. Um, as I currently talk to the recruits, and I'm at this point, I'm talking to recruits almost every day, whether we're talking on the phone, FaceTiming, or text messaging. Um, they're all aware of having they're excited about having just having um older people who are playing tackle football who have played even some of them have also played flag football that's in the tackle football world that they're going to be mentoring them they're excited about that
0: angelica how excited are you about the competition i mean a lot of florida schools good programs in florida and then you have yourselves in with kansas right there's a couple schools in kansas and then there's uh, yeah. a couple in, what, in Missouri, and then there's, I believe, one in Mississippi. The other one is in uh, Louisiana, and then one out there out west, which is in, I think, Riverside. So uh, I know Florida's going to be tough because they have basically a breeding ground for a very long time in terms of the high school level.
2: Yes, they do. They actually have four schools that are participating there, and Kansas has four as well. Um, And then the rest of the schools are kind of spread out. There's one in Nebraska, one in Louisiana. Um, I believe there might be one in Tennessee. They're just all spread out. But um, Kansas and Florida are the only two states that have four flag football colleges that are participating. And like you said, um, Florida being a, a breeding ground for flag, I definitely agree hands down. Um a lot of those ladies don't even know yet that there is flag football at the collegiate level and so when I reach out to some of them and reaching out to different organizations and having Zoom meetings with people, they are uh so ecstatic about it. The parents are shocked. And I talked to some parents today and they were telling me, you know, I is this is this real? Is this true? Can you really get a scholarship for flag football? And so I'm happy to explain to them, yes, you can and you can um, get a scholarship and get some of your schooling paid for, just to play flag football, and that's um, an awesome addition along with our traditional sports that you hear us play. Uh, most females play volleyball, basketball, track, um, wrestling, or uh, even um, softball. All the all the other traditional sports, but adding flag football is a whole different beast. It's a whole different dynamic, and it and it gives um, the schools other ways of people to get an education and play sports.
0: Angelica, how excited are you to be a pioneer in this realm? I mean, you've done your part in women's tackle. You've been a part of women's tackle for a very long time. You've been on a lot of successful teams. Um, this is another level for you in a, in a way. I mean, we we see you for the superstar that you are and what the contributions you brought up to the sport. And when you put Liz yourself up here, I mean, we're so proud of you guys, that you guys are taking this n- next step. And, you know, what what do you see – in other words, the sport, you know, let's just say in St. Mary's in general, is you think mm-hmm. the college is just, just going to kind of accept it no different than on their major other sports on the campus? Oh,
2: most definitely. Just to um, add to it, um, Lance Henson and my supervisor, Rod Miller, uh, both of them have been very, very welcoming, and the other um, football staff as well. They put me in the press box right there with all of them, so I'm just – I'm not even going to say one of the guys. I'm going to say I'm one of the coaches rather than one of the guys. Right. And I have an awesome corner spot where windows to my left of me, windows in front of me where I can see the field, uh, awesome lightning that comes into the office. And just to have that in itself mm-hmm. let me know that the school and the people value me and they value who I am and they value what I'm bringing to the program. Um, all the people that I have met have been nothing but friendly and nothing but welcoming to me. Give it, I, I'm getting emails of, you know, congratulations. Thank you. We're excited about your program. We can't wait to see where it's going. And so uh, you, one may think, Oh, this is pressure, but I don't feel like it's pressure. I just feel like it's just, um, tr- uh, just another way just to help football to grow and just giving that extra opportunity for them to get an education and to play. And I think, Honestly, that's the best part. The best thing that I can give to the game is to pay it forward.
0: Angelica, you become a recruiter all instantly. <laughs> How is that? <laughs> yes. I know a lot of coaches transition into that. It's a different realm because you go administrative, not so much X's and O's, and you gotta like you know evaluate talent and just a lot of other hours. In other words, you gotta put in to make a, a successful program. So, uh, you know, being being an adjustment for you, or do you think it's just gonna be somewhat just understanding the concept and then kind of rolling with it?
2: Well, I, to be quite honest, I, I like to talk, Officer. I like to, you know, get in people's heads mm-hmm. and see what they're thinking. And um, just a, a few days ago, Odessa had posted about how much she has learned a lesson in just listening. And I had posted on her Facebook page that, you know, we have mm-hmm. two ears and one mouth, so we should be listening to twice as much than talking. And so when I'm talking to my recruits, I listen to them as well. And they are so, like, they almost make me feel like I'm a celebrity, and I just feel like I'm just another person just trying to make the game better. Right. And uh, yep. when I call them or when I FaceTime, FaceTime them and tell them about the program, what I'm planning on bringing, what I want to do, get them out into the community, they're just as excited as I am about the whole entire program. They want to be a part of it. They want to build it with me, and they just want to uh, they want to make it great and make it competitive. And those are the athletes that I'm looking for. Um, and uh, you spoke about Florida. I've also learned that not just Florida, but Nevada, they have high school flag, and they also have different flag leagues. I've spoken mm-hmm. to um, a group in New York um, last week. Well, actually, about a couple weeks ago, I spoke to them in New York. They they're very serious about flags. Um, uh, Alaska, believe it or not, has high school flag. I spoke to a coach well, yesterday. Well, you know
0: Deion Lee. Dion Lee's yes, been on that I, trend to try to get that, you know, to get the high school mentality up to that level and be, be a regular in certain states. So.
2: Yes. I've, I've, I've built a bridge with him and he actually sent me a couple yep. of players already that I'm, that I'm talking to um, as we speak. And so, you know, talking to the parents is just like, you know, when I'm, when I was a middle school coach, I talked to parents all the time. So I'm just talking to parents at a different level, that I'm being my true authentic self. So, it really doesn't change for me from middle school or to the college level. I'm just being me when I'm having conversations with my parents. And I think that's the best way you can recruit is just being your true, authentic
0: self. Uh, Angelica, you're going to be motherly, stern. What's going to be the style if they're gonna oh, somebody's going to come play for you? I'm
2: going <laughs> to be all, or, all, all the, the Jenkins, like. <laughs> I'm I'm going to be all of the above. All the coaches that I've had in my past, uh, good or indifferent, um, I'm I've learned from all of them, and I'm and I'm taking a piece and just creating my own in regards to my my athletes. Um, my goal is to have the highest GPA on campus, especially within our first year. I'm already getting girls. I have one that's coming in that has a four point and so wow. those are the ones that I'm looking for not just athletically, but where are you mentally?
0: And so and um, just building that. You don't even get that yeah. oh, in, yeah. in, you know, in men's college football. A lot of times oh, no. you get an athletic player, you know it, an athletic player, but they're not a- academically, you know, at that higher level. And I think mm-hmm. girls and women in general do strive to get to that academic level. So, I, it, you know, oh, when definitely. you can get an opportunity to do both, you get to do both that's achievement, true achievement. What I've been told by a lot of a lot of players, you know, you get to that level where absolutely. you graduate, get your degree and you're able to excel at a high level as an athlete in whatever collegiate sports, uh, just just a bonus, right?
2: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. That's that's definitely the bonus. Um there's just I just want to bring a, a different dynamic um to the campus and and just have our girls work alongside the, the football players as well, and just, let's help each other. And um, we're talking to Liz, and we communicate quite often as well, and, um, and we're talking to her. She actually sent me an athlete because she doesn't have a nursing program, but my school does, mm-hmm. and she sent me an athlete. And this young lady is leaving um, a D1 school. She's leaving Arizona State University to come play flag football wow. at the University of St. Mary. That right there is a sacrifice. It is dedication. Oh yeah. Um,
0: and she's, I mean, she's and actually a tackle better,
2: football player.
0: <laughs> wow. What better person to come see than you? Because she's gonna she's I, gonna be amazing. You know what I mean? That, that's just a, yes, a good I, pickup. Yeah. It's a great pickup.
2: She's 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 definitely going to be an asset, an, an amazing player. Um, I've seen some of her tackle footage, and she had let me know that um. She's never played flag, but she's played tackle. And I've seen some things, her running some routes or whatnot, and I like what I see. And I know she can transition over to flag, and then when she's done, transition back over to tackle.
0: Um, Angelica, what do you see the sport growing? This is going to be kind of like a project, right, this whole one-year concept. we got 15 schools. It's really a project, right? And then we build up to a true national championship of acceptance. That's my understanding at this point. So we're we're treating this as a, as a serious test uh, drive, in other words, and then hopefully we get to, to it to be a staple, right?
2: Yeah, I would I would agree. It, I would definitely say, you know, for any business, you know, the first five years is re- what you're really going to see it in. Mm-hmm. So I, I truly hope that they continue on with it. But um, I, I don't see any reason why they would stop it. If they did stop, it would be because of COVID, the pandemic at the moment. But other than mm-hmm. that, um, once they see people feeding into it, so many inquiries, I get so many inquiries a day of just people filling out information of wanting and having interest to play. Um, for example, I have one girl that's a cheerleader, and when she found out there was flags, she she barely wants to cheer now. Because right. now she wants to play flag. So we believe in dual athletes, so she'll more than likely be able to be a cheerleader and be a flag football player as well. So there's a lot of young ladies who – the moment they hear there's football, they want to be a part of it. Um, there's some girls that email me that say, um, I've always wanted to play football. I just never had that opportunity. So who am I to deny their opportunity when I've been denied to play once upon a time in my life? So to be able to give them that that door or open it up for them, I'm I'm happy to do that.
0: Angelica, so you're, you're uh, stating here that there's no lack of interest, in other words. There's very interested individuals.
2: <laughs> yes, they they are very highly interested, very highly. Um, a lot of them, their main concerns. A lot of a lot of them are can't believe you can get a scholarship now.
1: They're still they're they're right. asking
2: questions like, "So I can get a scholarship? You sure can? You sure can?" And so what we can do is we can stack scholarships on top of scholarship and um, that can get you into the school, and we can we go from there.
0: Have you played the flag game to a level where uh, it's you think it's more exciting than tackle? Because a lot of people say tackle is exciting, but it's slow. Where flag is very enlightening, and, and you know a lot of a lot of uh, tournaments, right? And flag on the international scale as well. Uh, a lot of you know tournaments in terms of local and and national mm-hmm. in terms of interminal stuff. So you think this is going to just like start the amber? I mean to the point where like we're gonna see that type of uh uh movement just balloon. It's
2: it's gonna be a it's well football is already one of the fastest growing sports amongst amongst women. And to add flag mm-hmm. to it is even even bigger. It's growing just as fast as tackle football. And it is a faster game with playing seven on seven. Even when you're playing five. Playing fives, I right. play bad and that is a con- that's a constant movement. <laughs> it's a it's a go, go, go. And um, I can see I think the word's exhausting. feel like, yes, especially when you're playing back <laughs> to back to back. <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: um,
2: be- before I played tackle, I started playing flag. I played non-contact flag um, while I was living in Atlanta, and believe it or not, I also played contact flag. Um, that's when I got my first feel of blocking somebody from the blind side. But with with that being with that being said, I do believe that this flag football is definitely it's going to take off and it's definitely an ember that just got lit.
0: Do you feel like between you and Liz at this point, more of a you know, back and forth communication? Uh is it a community building at this point with the rest of the fifteen schools? In other words, are you guys having like coaches meetings and, and things that to work this out to where it becomes somewhat relevant, uh, you know, in the, in the in the schools themselves, but ultimately on a national scale at this point. And I think really with Russell uh, Wilson really being involved with the NFL flag aspect of it really has been more mm-hmm. beneficial than in other years, because I think for me, the NFL in the past really treated NFL flag as more of a, I would say an entertainment type of option where we support the game and things like that. But now I think when Russell taken over here, I think he's really serious about, you know, putting the sport maybe as a pro sport, which we do have pro flag on the um, on the on the map scale, but it's not as mm-hmm. big right now. But collegiately, it just makes more sense to have that feeder system.
2: Oh yes, because you can go straight from the collegiate level to the pro level and play flag. Like there's a spot for you to go to. You won't you won't be just going from high school, and then you go to college and do something else, and then all of a sudden, oh well, let me go play professional flag you're actually continuing right. on going all the way through. It makes sense to have a um a funnel or some type of funnel.
0: Did you get excited for just the opportunity or how did the opportunity get you know come about? was how, how were you recruited in other words?
2: Well, I honestly I, I kinda created this door. Um, okay. when I first heard about it, um Odessa had let the whole team know, hey, y'all, there's going to be flag football for girls, da, 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 And I read that. To, I literally, to myself, I remember saying, oh, wow, that's cool. Now they're going to have flag football where they can go to college and, you know, get paid and have a great time. And then probably about a couple of weeks later, one of my student athletes at the middle school level, level um, Coach Coach Wooten, he had hit me up in an inboxing, me. and was like, hey, Coach, I know somebody that's uh, looking for a grad assistant um, at, uh, at Kansas Wesleyan. And I said, Oh, okay, you know, let me give him a call. Well, on, at that point, we had actually just hired somebody for that position. So but we still had a conversation, the other coach and I did. And so we talked mm-hmm. for a little bit and he was very, uh, very interested and very interested in, in what I had to offer. Him. he was just telling me, you know, I, I really hope you get in somewhere, you get somewhere. I really want to help you. So when I found out that that school had a football team, so I began to research and so when I researched the schools, I basically just shot my shot, and I was like, well, let me, let me see what happens. And so I contacted the athletic directors. Um, the mm-hmm. athletic directors got, got back with me, and um, we had an interview. We talked. You know, I know you and I talked about uh, being my true authentic self. That's exactly what I was being. And um, they loved me. I loved them, and everything fell in place. And I've been here since July 1st. How was so the move? It, 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 it oh, the move. Oh, my gosh. The move was successful, but it, can, it, it was awful
0: stressful. <laughs> <laughs> I um, know that packing and moving it, is always not fun.
2: <laughs> oh, I literally signed my contract, told my current apartment, hey, I'm going to be moving, uh, packed my stuff, found an apartment here, uh, and literally uprooted my whole entire life from from what I know from Texas. In, in, I'm in Leavenworth, Kansas. Completely different from uh, what I'm accustomed to in Texas, though. But uh, it's a sure. small town. Um, Wayne Simeon, actually, was born and raised here. I just met him the other day, and I thought that was cool. And um, with uh, with him, we were talking about flag football, and he, he even had some interest in it as well. And so um, I know he has two girls I believe two or three girls and so I'm I'm planning on hosting a flag football football um, camp here soon once you know we see how things are going with the pandemic and um, having an exhibition exhibition game for the Kansas City Glory as well on our campus is definitely going to bring a lot of insight and a lot of light and it's going to be a great pool to pull other athletes to come play flag
0: football. So, uh, Angelica, are we done with WNFC and Texas Elite? <laughs> are we done? We're full full coach college. We're good. We're driving 100% that way and just supporting the brand and supporting the, the WNFC in other ways?
2: Well, it's funny how you ask that. I heard um, I, actually, <laughs> I
0: actually
2: get to pick my brand. We're going to go with Adidas. Why? Because the WNFC – has gone with Adidas and they have sponsored us and they have uh, been really good to us with um, doing what they do with Adidas. So um, if the Lord says the same, I will be on that field. Number 52, playing outside linebacker
0: for the Texas Elite Spartans. (laughs) Seriously? You're still going to be going knocking heads out there?
2: Oh, yeah. I don't see why not. I got about another year or two left in me.
0: Um, Okay. All right. uh, That's fair.
2: (laughs) So, um, I know that Liz is on the board for you know creating the schedule and the games or whatnot, and so, as long sure. as the, the games don't interfere with with what we're doing with our debbinesse, we'll be good to go, both of us actually, so it's gonna be pretty cool, you know, Liz and I playing against each other, and we're still and we're coaching at the collegiate level,
0: all right, so she's not recruiting you for the glory, that's what I'm trying to get at, No? <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, they're not recruit now they you know, I'm not I'm not gonna say they didn't try, but you know, I I mean if I were them I'd try too. But it's it's definitely gonna be um with Liz and I don't wanna me, give a, Odessa or Elizabeth changes. any heart
0: attacks here on the on the on the
2: interview breaking <laughs> oh,
0: no. news you're going to they, the glory or something. Uh, oh no. <laughs> they
2: they 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 know where I'm at. I they, they know where I'm at. I'm I'm always gonna be uh, a Texas elite.
0: Um, Angelica, you've played on the biggest stage. Uh, you know, you've played with the WNFC's champion. Um, I mean, you've been on a lot of, you know, successful teams, um, and on the world stage too. So, um, where do you think the sport is going on that end? We were, because of COVID, this COVID, it's like just bad. (laughs) It's a downer, but because of COVID, that's my word now, um, Mm -hmm. Because of COVID, we would have had, you know, season two, WNFC, and it looked like it was going to be a huge year for both leagues, even the WFA, because, you know, Mm -hmm. a lot of sponsorships on both sides, and the excitement with um, platforms, you know, 11 Sports for WFA, we were going to do YouTube America for WNFC, Mm -hmm. so we, we were just in all anticipation, right, for this 2020 season, and then we get this virus, and just a downer.
2: It was, um, I'm a type of person who that I try to look at the silver lining. And to be honest, had we not had the COVID, we might not have had to, you know, no pun intended, step our game up within the WNFC um, because we've Mm -hmm. had um, plenty of virtual football camps and sessions. And and so for those who don't know what those are, basically, like, how do you do them? It was very professionally done. People like, matter of fact, Dion Lee was one of the special – guests and special speakers and we had people talking about O-line, D-line um, just uh, position specific those are the different things that we were doing all on there and Jennifer King hopped on there Callie Bronson, uh, Bronson hopped on there it's just, it was just a world of, like, of information and just finding out different things and how people uh, rather do different schemes stuff like that and so I thought that was very cool because had we not had the COVID we might not have had that so soon now, I'm not going to say we, we uh, wouldn't have had it at all, but I don't think we would have had it as soon as we did. And so I believe that that's a, a great thing to do, to have a virtual football camp. And so with my teammates, we, we were doing, trying to keep our morale up and things of that nature and doing Zoom workouts Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday. So just making sure we're not only just keeping our bodies strong, but also keeping our minds strong as well. And so just doing all of those things and finding yourself in this pandemic has definitely done some good for me personally. And I hope that it's done good for others, but I understand that not everybody has, like, everybody is going through something at the moment, but just trying to find a silver lining and changing the things that you can change is what's going to make you a better person.
0: Yeah. And I think that, you know, the fact that we had no airlines uh, bus issues just the logistics part of everything was just mm-hmm. normally you have all that and you still have other intangibles. And given the fact that we were going to have uh, a lot of hurdles, as Odessa said, you know, just to try to, you know, make a schedule nationwide and, and take into account mm-hmm. every state and cities and counties and you know, guidelines and requirements. And it was just, it was just so uh, not attainable in other words, right. You're just going to be wasting time and people's money and, and given everything that's going on right now, you know, a lot of people really just need to keep their money and try to be wise with what they're doing and stuff, uh, given the okay. fact that some people are either out of a job or something happens with their income, and it just becomes more of a burden. So, um, but, you know, I, I'm, I'm excited. I'm in, anticipating 2021 to be a breakout year um, just for the women tackle side. And then this right here excites me even more because of the fact that this is really a true feeder system. So we have an opportunity, like you said, girls can decide to go to the flag pro side or they'll decide to go to the two tackle leagues if they wanted to play you know, at a tackle level. So uh, this is really great news.
2: Yes, and even if they don't even want to play, just for them having the knowledge, they might you know, major in sport management or something and they may be able to sure. work with a team and, and just to work on the op- operations side of it and then push more females into the um, NFL football forum of just working with the NFL and doing something different outside of coaching or being a player as well.
0: Angelica, does it blow your mind that internationally, this thing, this sport, we follow it on a little bubble, which is North America, but does it blow your mind that there's just so much interest on the, beyond the borders? I mean, I follow it beyond the borders and it just blows my mind that, you know, you got people in Morocco, Guam, uh, out in you know, out in Europe, uh, out in Australia, but for the most part, like almost every continent, at some point or another, um, is wanting to start a tackle side of things because most mm-hmm. countries already have a flag interest in some format or another internationally.
2: It I wouldn't necessarily say it blows my mind. I'm going to say that it's always been here. We just need the opportunity to, to do it. And once the opportunity came, I feel like we just grabbed it, we took the baton, and we ran with it. Um, I believe the flag football and the tackle football world is, is, is like music. It's universal. We don't have to speak the same language, but we can understand each other on the field. So that's how I view flag football and tackle football together. It's just music to my ears.
0: Yeah, I'm not shocked anymore. I mean, I used to be shocked, but now that, you know, I've put together so much of a network that, you know, people feed me information from everywhere. Um, And social media obviously makes it more easy than it was back, you know, 10, 12 years ago, right, when you had, like, group boards Mm -hmm. and and other things. Now it's a little bit more easy because people direct message you or do things in different platforms and things like that, so you get the word out a lot faster. Um, But it doesn't Mm -hmm. doesn't surprise me anymore because the high interest uh, and level of interest – of women wanting to play, you know, the tackle side is growing and it's growing in in leaps and bounds right now. And we're just talking the North American swing. I mean, I had a conversation earlier today with someone saying, uh, we got to get a way to to put some funding together to make just a North American championship, you know, between Mexico, Canada, and the U.S., make it sort Mm -hmm. of an annual type of event because, you know, this is where it is. This is where we need to showcase it. You know, the, the talented North American swing is where we need to have, like, uh, a North American Championship, in other words, to spotlight some of the amazing athletes in, on the continent, basically.
2: Oh, definitely. That would, I mean, any anything right now that that will be great. Like, I would love to take the champion of the W.F. team, the champion of the W.N.F.C. W, WNFC team, and play each other. I feel like that would be a great, um, not just a great way to see who, who, who's the best, but it would bring some type of something to women's football to see both leagues actually, you know, working together to play that one game at a, a mutual spot somewhere.
0: I would love to see that. Yeah, happen. it would be like it would be like the AFL NFL, right? And that mentality yes. where it would play go. at one point and and then you put together a Super Bowl in other words, like just a, yes. a nice AFL which is NFL type um, you know, matchup basically. Um, yeah, w- yes. wouldn't we want to see that? Texas elite against Boston Renegades? Are you kidding me?
2: I uh, would be like, I take it.
0: That would be like awesome.
2: That would that would be lovely. So, WFA, if you listen, let's get it started. Oh,
0: I would love you to go. do that. You're calling it out. All right. Uh, Win uh, uh, Flat O'Donoghue, there you go. Calling you out. Angelica <laughs> Grayson, calling you out. Lisa King, here we go. Angelica Grayson, calling <laughs> this- you out.
2: <laughs> it's all, it's, it's all, all right. in fun, and it's all in competitiveness, and it's all in love, and it's all for the sure. love of football.
0: All right, um, Angelica, I I really appreciate you making the time. I know you're busy, busy, especially now with doing the thing with the flag, and, and so is are we starting on the fall? Right? Is, is my understanding we're going to start in the fall?
2: We're going to be a spring sport. We won't be starting until spring 2021.
0: Okay. So we're going to have just, like, uh, test games or just, like, you know, preseason-type mentality at this point, or just going to be just getting honed it's for that be, 2021 it's,
2: month? It's, well, uh, it's, it's still going to be competitive for 2021. I know Liz and I had talked about having a couple of scrimmages just to get, you know, the loose mm-hmm. ends out before we actually play our first, um, our first true game. So that's the beauty of mm-hmm. having someone else that we both come from the same pool of women's football, and we're not going against against each other. We're working together. So if I have a girl who has a a major, she wants to come to my school, but I might not have her major, I'm sending her over to Liz and vice versa. So we are definitely in this together, but we just so happen to be coaching for different schools.
0: Yeah. Well, I wish you luck, and I wish you success, both, because it's nine times out of ten, you need both to kind of come together. And I know you're going to put in all the work and the hard work because we know what you're made of. And so we really appreciate you, uh, you know, taking uh, the time out to come and kind of chat with us about the NIA women's flag scene. That's going to come in 2021. And then, um, you know, you heard it here first, uh, not lacing them up yet. I mean, not hanging them up. In other words, not lacing them up, hanging them (laughs) up. So Grayson's got maybe another two years here and we're going to see her on the field a, a couple more years, but, uh, we're very proud of you. And congratulations on this, uh, new endeavor that you're going to have and then new opportunity as well. And we're looking forward to seeing you out there uh, on, you know, and how you're doing with the uh, St. Mary's uh, club.
2: Well, thank you so much. And if you guys know anybody who wants to participate in flag football, send the University of St. Mary.
0: All right. And uh, send me your link uh, and any of the email things. And then if I have anybody that, you know, chimes us on on our direct messages, we can just quickly just copy and paste it and send it out to you and get you some more leads, as they say, and get you some more people that you could be interested in. But, uh, Angelica, really, really appreciated. it. Hopefully you're settling in in uh, Levensworth, Kansas, and obviously it's not Dallas, <laughs> of all places, <laughs> uh, right? Uh, we're, yeah. used to, we're used to the big chains and the metros, and it's a different world when you move to a smaller area. That's all I'm saying. i oh, I move from, San Jose, California to Monterey. I like the weather oh, wow. in Monterey, but but there's no like you know nothing compared to San Jose. In other words, you know like options and venues and activities and entertainment. And, you know all yeah. that stuff that you normally just get to choose from. Sometimes you scale down and you're like, okay, there's nothing else going on here, except for sea, you know, sea sea whales, uh seeing whales at the ocean. <laughs> all mm, right, yeah. <laughs>
2: Well, thank you very much, Oscar. I appreciate you having me on here. It's an honor. And um, thank you for the the, the best wishes as well.
0: Yeah, stay safe, okay, and uh, look forward to another conversation as soon as we start launching. I look forward to having Liz and yourself on again as we get into 2021. And uh, we're really going to be following this NIA uh, Women's Flag College uh, season, and we're going to be posting up on it as well. So we're going to be basically uh, like a microscope. We're going to be on – Keeping tabs on you and Liz.
2: Oh, of course. Thank you so much. It's much appreciated.
0: Have a great night, okay? Stay safe.
2: Uh, you too. Have a good night. Bye.
0: All right, guys. Uh, that was the talented Angelica Grayson, Texas Elite Spartans WNFC Champion, Team USA, IFAB World Champion, and now the head football coach at St. Mary's in uh, Leavenworth, Kansas as part of the inaugural um, NAIA schools that are going to be competing in women's flag in 2020 and 2021, uh, which includes Cody out of uh, Nevada, Missouri, Florida Memorial out of Miami Gardens, Florida, Kansas, Westland of the Salina, uh, Kansas, Kaiser of West Palm Beach, Florida, La Sierra, Riverside, California, Midland, Fremont, Nebraska, uh, Milligan, out of uh, Elizabethton, Tennessee, Ottawa, out of um, Ottawa, Kansas, which is Liz Sowers' squad, and then Reinhardt of Waiksaika, Georgia, so I think I bought that already, Uh, St. Thomas, Miami, Florida, Tougaloo, Tougaloo, Mississippi, St. Mary's, Angelica's team here from Leavenworth, Kansas, Warner out of Lake uh, Wales, Florida, Uh, Weber International out of Bobston Park, Florida, and Xavier out of New Orleans, uh, Louisiana. So you can get the details on everything that's happening in the flag scene at NFL 345, or you can go directly to NFL flag, uh, and you can get the details there as well. So congratulations to Angelica and Liz Sowers uh, as they're making uh, breaking barriers and making the sport more relevant. Hopefully that's going to basically come into light, and we'll have it on you know ESPN3, ESPN, and we'll get to see them on the field. And competition, as to her point, there's a lot of talented athletes that are going to be wanting to play flag football, especially now as another option. Uh, It doesn't have to be soccer. It doesn't have to be basketball, etc. Now it's going to be flag football, so it's really, really awesome. All right. So, guys, invite you guys over to the Hub. Make sure you guys go there weekly, weekly updates, updates on everything that's happening in the women's game, including any breaking news and anything that we follow week to week. Uh, Once again, just a reminder, uh, July 12th, don't forget Sammy Grisafi's The Arrival. It's streamed and pre-saved, and you can get it on Spotify. So check it out, The Arrival by Sammy Grisafi. Check it out, July 12th, 2020. You can pre-save it now on Spotify. So go check it out and do your pre-save on well. So we're going to be talking uh, NFL here, and a lot of the news came about with – the Washington Redskins, uh, team name change. There was, uh, I believe Nike and FedEx are the ones that, um, wanted the name change at this point. And so Daniel Snyder, uh, was supposed to do a review for the name change. So including, um, I think it was, uh, Nike and Pepsi and Mackenzie Brooks is not gonna be able to make it tonight. Unfortunately, um, she got other things that happen, and she's not able to make it today. So we will finish up the fifteen minutes here with the NFL news as well. So there, those investors wrote to Daniel Snyder and including the uh, Washington Redskins. and so their their demands was uh, basically um, to you know think about changing the name. Um, and then so Snyder has previously stated that he would never change the team's name. But he also recently uh, budgeted just a bit by renaming the lower bowl of the FedEx field. The lower bowl has been named after longtime team owner George Preston Marshall, whose statue was removed from the outside of RFK Stadium last month. Marshall is one who changed the team's name from Braves to Redskins and who both uh, resisted the integration of the team and stated that he was proud that his franchise was the last one to be integrated. So a little bit of a situation here with Washington. There's a lot of fans that wrote in, uh, you know, different names, uh, Seminoles. Uh, they wrote in, I think, Red Tails. So if you go to the hub at Facebook.com for grand Beauties, we have the article there. There's a lot of fans that follow us as well that kind of uh, threw out names as well. Braves was one of them. Why don't you just go back to being the Washington Braves as you were originally the team? Um, and so – or Red Tails. Um, and things like that so we hope that Daniel Snyder will uh, announce a change at this point that's what everybody's been hoping for and so hopefully they'll get into a situation where they'll make the change and and it comes about Um, investors I guess asked uh, some of the ownership that's on the team to make a decision and hopefully they'll make a decision soon here at this point but it looks to me like Daniel Snyder has not done a quick change and that might be in the same situation now, given the political climate that we're in, maybe he will be inclined to make the change even sooner. So we will see what, how that happens. Uh, the other news, that was NFL to play the Black National Anthem, lift every voice and sing before Star Spangled Banner at Week 1 games. So um, the they announced that the Black National Anthem will be... Uh, in each of the NFL's Week 1 games, according to the Associated Press, which adds that the league is also considering memorizing uh, victims of police brutality with helmet decals or jersey patches. These moves are seen as part of the league's collaborative work with players to raise awareness of systemic racism and police brutality. Following the nationwide protests, of course, with the the wake of George Floyd's killing at the hands of the Minneapolis police, several players, including uh, Patrick Mahomes, Uh, Deshaun Watson, Michael Thomas, Odell Beckham, and Ezekiel uh, Ezekiel Elliott released a video requesting that the league acknowledge the issues faced by black players and that it heard and silenced players who spoke out on those issues in the past and that Black Lives Matter. Commissioner Goodell released a video of his own uh, the very next day, and that's when he said uh, each of those requests. Mahomes called Goodell's video a good first step but acknowledged that the players wanted to make sure it leads into action. So, the league later recognized june 10th uh, june i 'm sorry June 19th as an official holiday pledged to donate over two hundred and fifty million dollars over the next ten years to fight systemic racism and pledged to restyle out to players who have raised their voices on issues of racial inequality. Now it has committed to spotlight another uh, part of black history, so the fan base NFL we don 't know what the reception will be on week one. it looks to me like that the reception was uh, positive in some aspects based on our comments that we got. And based on some of the comments that I was reading on NFL.com, there was a mixed emotions on both sides. Uh, We will see what week one will look like if we even have a week one because of COVID. So hopefully we do have one and then we'll get to see, uh, you know, what the fans reaction will be in terms of receptive for the black national Anthem. It's going to be played prior to the star spangled banner. Um, at this point, question marks would be, you know, do we stand for both at this point or, or do we stand for the Black uh, National Anthem or are we going to kneel for the Star Spangled Banner? So it's a lot of questions, a lot of uh, comments made on all that on both sides. So it's going to be wait and see till we launch on week one. Hopefully we do have a season because of COVID-19 and some of the spikes that have taken, uh, taken place so far this week in certain uh, states. Uh, that's going to be an issue too to kind of keep an eye on and see if that's going to be something that they're going to monitor or they're going to allow to, um, you know, to to kind of prolong itself. Or are we going to shut down the season and minimize the season to a certain degree in a way where they're not going to play a full season? And that right there in itself will affect uh, the fans. I don't think fans in the stands is going to be such a big deal for them at this point going to be an issue where a lot of players might have you know maybe they don't want to play like the baseball players or some of the basketball players and maybe they're going to go into the route where uh, they feel like okay if I'm going to play then why why am I going to do this to sacrifice my health and all this other stuff so I'm thinking that maybe the NFL will not play a season given what COVID-19 has done and how things are going right now with some of the states and some of the spikes in the COVID-19 uh, testing that they've been done. And ultimately the testing was done before, but now we're seeing higher spike numbers and things that should have been taken care of. And maybe were are not. So uh, the NFL has got a decision to make here, whether they're going to play a season or not. And we'll see if that happens. If they don't play a season, then we won't know, we won't know exactly how they're going to deal with it in terms of doing what they do. Um, Ultimately, I think they will play a season and um, it'll be kind of like maybe no fans in the stands. It's what we're getting now. Uh, I know the Raiders, uh, or, uh, Raiders had announced that at their new stadium, they were going to do 68 rows with social distancing. So there's an opportunity for every team to do that. Uh, and it makes sense um, to put you know certain rows away from the players. Players will be the only ones on there. They're trying to modify the helmets. Uh, helmets to wear a certain uh, covering. Um, I know, you know, if you wear a mask and you're playing all game and it's hot, uh, hopefully that's not going to be the case because if that's the case, you get overheating and we don't want to have a casualty where somebody passes out or or even dies uh, for just being on the field, especially if you have a face covering, it's going to limit your oxygen levels and things like that, including any heat that would be in place at the game at the time. So a lot of things that the NFL has to take into account before they go in that route. It's totally different than like the NBA, the NHL, or even Major League Baseball because it's just a, a more of a aggressive sport and uh, you have more physicality and you got a lot of more exertion to deal with. So hopefully they'll they'll cure that as well. The other big uh, incident that happened was uh, Cal Kaepernick's uh, Fourth of July comments. Uh, calling out uh, 4th of July as a celebration of white supremacy. A lot of fans, uh, on I know on our on our page, as well as on other pages, uh, were didn't take kindly to that remark. Um, and it's just a, a change of the climate that we're living in right now. We don't know if that's going to affect his return. A lot of fans uh, kind of question whether he's going to return at this point to the NFL because he's got so many other things going on in his life. He's got ne- a Netflix project. He's also got other things lined up with his uh, uh, sponsors. And so we were anticipating that somebody was going to sign him. I know Seattle was tempted to give him a tryout. Uh, We don't know at this point if it's going to be true or not. But it's just a matter of, you know, reaction. Are the fans going to react to these kind of comments? And are they going to give him some sort of a a pass? Or are they going to accept him? I mean, the fan base in the NFL right now is somewhat divided in a lot of ways. Um, unfortunately, is the state that we live in in terms of our country right now, but hopefully that's going to remedy itself, and then we'll think strictly to football, and we know he's capable of coming back, uh, whether he's a backup and whether he accepts a backup role, I don't know, uh, whether he wants to lead and, and go to a team that obviously needs a starting quarterback. So a lot of comments there to go. Um, and then you had uh, also Deshaun Jackson uh, with the anti-Semitic uh, comments regarding uh, this weekend. So the Philadelphia Eagles even had to go and kind of, you know, patch up some of the PR with him in regards to that. So a lot, the NFL is unknown right now whether it's going to kick off or not. And given the uh, climate that we live in right now with such political uh, mixture, even with the sports leagues, it's becoming a situation where sports somewhat – ruined and entertainment kind of like ruined in that sense, because we're so uh, dived in because of COVID into the the politics of this election coming up. Uh, I don't know if the sports scene will be the same uh, beyond this year as well. And uh, the NBA said they're going to play. And then they said they might not play based on what's happening in Florida. We have no idea what the NHL is going to do. Major League Baseball has said they're just going to probably sit out for the, for the year. Um, so we're looking at that. And then the good news in the NFL, uh, you know, deserving, of course, is Patrick Mahomes' uh, 10-year deal. What an exciting time for him. Well-deserved. We talked about, you know, Dak Prescott getting big money. Uh, I mean, not even a conversation. Dak Prescott should not be getting big money, period. Uh, This this kid right here, Pat Mahomes, deserves big money, and he deserves it really well. He's a very top good player. He's uh, done his part. He's doing things outside of the sport as well to impact uh, awareness for uh, police brutality and everything else. And so he's done really good things here. And I think he deserves it, deserves a spotlight. There was an article, I think a couple, uh, what, a year during his college time uh, that somebody wrote and said that this kid was going to be the highest paid player in the NFL at one point or another. And here we are. He is the highest paid player in the NFL. So really good news to him. All right, so we got a couple minutes here. Let's give some shout-outs. Uh shout out to the Finland National Bronze Medal team. They uh we posted on our uh, on our at the hub the 2010 uh IFAB World Championship third place finishers, Finland. They were celebrating uh on off the official Finland page there of their 2020 success. And that was kind of the equivalent of Mexico what Mexico did in uh in 2020 uh, 2017. Um, So that's a good stepping stone. And then Finland moves on to the next ranks as well, like winning in Europe and the European championships as well. So congratulations to them. Then uh, shout out to Tatiana Blaze. She is the ambassador for uh, Zenith Brand, uh, former uh, and current, uh, I would say current WFA MVP, now going to be playing for the WFLA Denver Gold Rush. And I believe she's going to be playing dual seasons. So she might be playing for Detroit and Denver from my understanding, but shout out to her. She's part of Zenith. Check her out right there at the hub at facebook.com for Uh, And you can go there every week and check, get the lowdown on everything that's happening in the sport. Uh, we talked about Santia Deck uh, being the first female to launch a shoe brand. So she's doing really good and making waves as well. Uh, there is a survey on the hub. Let's see. Uh, Basically, the Women's Hall of Fame, which is was announced that it will be December third through the fifth in Las Vegas once again. So, if you are going to participate, make your plans now. Uh, go to the Women's Football Hall of Fame. Direct message the, those contact per, uh, persons to make the arrangements there. Make sure that they know who's coming. They need anticipation of numbers and who's going to arrive and who's going to make the decision to go. Uh, because of COVID, a lot of things are going to change last minute, but. It's just ideal for us to get more information about who's going to show up and how many anticipated to show up so that you set aside, obviously, hotel and you set aside all the amenities and the, and the uh, ceremony things that are bound to happen for the Women's Hall of Fame. So check it out at the Hub. You go right there, get the link, Women's Hall of Fame. It's going to be December 3rd through the 5th. So check it out and go there. Don't miss the uh, article. Uh, that happened uh, on the, uh, the on the, seven, uh, the seventh anniversary of the 2013 IFAB Team USA uh, video, not article video, and that's via Vimeo, and that's the Tackle Girls. And so our new favorite documentary, of course, will be Born to Play, which uh, we just talked to very Liverman earlier in the first hour. Uh, she did an amazing job, and thanks to her, we are we're, we're, it's, it's a classic. It is a classic. I mean, I can't describe it any other way. What a classic documentary, and she did an amazing job. And Now, shout-out to the Boston Renegades organization. Shout-out to the WFA uh, for spotlighting uh, women's tackle football at at the elite level as well. All right, guys, I think that's pretty much it. Um, So thanks to Vary Lieberman for coming in. Thanks for Angelica Grayson to bring us up to date on what's happening with the NAIA uh, women's flag scene and uh, what we're going to anticipate for 2021. Uh, But it was a great two hours of excitement. Don't forget to subscribe on uh, Spotify, iHeart, and on Apple. I really appreciate you guys doing that. It's bumped us up a lot on Spotify. It's trending us upwards on iHeart, and we are uh, a really good rating on Apple, so we need to keep it up. You can uh, tune us in on TuneIn, Player FM, Apple Podcasts, Google Casts, of course, on iHeart, Spotify, and also on GlobalWomenSportsRadio.com. And then Block Talk Radio is our flagship here, as always. So don't miss it. Uh, 329, we'll have another episode of Great Interviews. And don't miss going back to the episodes, over 300 episodes. Check out episode 327 last week with Terrence Haywood. Go back to episode uh, 325 with the great Adrian Smith. 324 with Daniel Harvey and Sherry Waga talking Black Lives Matter. Adrian Smith, Black Lives Matter as well. So check out our podcast there on those favorite platforms of yours. So for Oscar Lopez here, uh, in the absent Mackenzie Brooks, Nate Ward, we'll catch you guys here next week for 329 on the Gridiron Blitz. Have a great night, everybody.